Welcome, everybody, to the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. This is number 106. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, FXR Racing designed by racers for racers. Phil Nicoletti wearing FXR, of course, winning the Canadian Championship in it. Uh, Pulpamex 30 is the code to save with the folks at FXR. They just signed all of the Sherco team, too. We had Cody Webb on here. Uh, thanks to those guys for making it happen. Race Tech suspension as well. Pulp 19 is the code to save with Race Tech. Uh, whether you're a privateer, whether you're a factory rider, Race Tech has been there for many, many riders over the years. Uh, motor work, suspension work, they can dial you in, they can get your uh, work, uh, your bike adjusted right. And also uh, save you some money with Pulp 19 code, man. Thanks to the guys at Race Tech for making this podcast happen. Also, Namira, Maxis, and Skosh all on board with us, of course, for this for this podcast. And uh, and you people, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. On the line to talk about uh, his business ventures, racing, and much more is a, a veteran racer uh, from over the years. And I'm glad to see him back at the races a little more than we had seen him. It's Michael Lieb. What's up, Lieb? How are you, man? Doing really well, man. Doing really well. Just uh, going going back to the races finally, which is uh, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen you much. Uh, came back out la- late last year in the 250 West Series, of course, and then uh, before that, um, yeah, not not as regular as you once were. Of course, you were a top ten guy for many years uh, on the West in Supercross on the West Coast. Uh, what what's been going on? What's happening? Dude, a lot. I don't even uh, <laughs> don't even know where to start. A lot. Like, yeah, I mean, you take it back to, you know, let's just go back to 2015 and give it the short story. Um, I crashed there in Oakland. Um, that was the year that I did, like, the all-white gear and just kind of went yep. and got, like, local mom-and-pop shops just on the white gear. Um, that ended up doing really well. We raised, like, thirty grand by round four in Oakland. I went over the bars and just ruined my right foot. Um from there, got back riding, did the Larry Brooks deal on the Slater team mm-hmm. the next year. Um, and in between that time, I basically started a gear company, which was Canvas MX. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, did the Larry Brooks deal, had a broken foot that entire year, was kind of just trying to get through it. Had to go get my foot fused after Vegas that year. Oh, wow. Missed all of 17 for that. That was like, a, I think it was 15 months off the bike. Um, then I did the IB Corp deal the year before, well, that was what, 2018, unfortunately broke my wrist, never really got going, never really kind of got up into, into my element. Um, and then, yeah, this year I only managed to hit Houston, um, just had a ton of stuff going on, um, with work and unfortunately my fiance, you know, lost her dad and all that stuff. So just did a lot of the family stuff then and, mm-hmm. In between now and then, man, I've just been growing the gear company with um, with Chuck Brothers is one of my partners, and yep. um, it, we've just kind of brought all of our manufacturing over here in the USA and been enjoying that process of, of learning business as well as you know, still riding a little bit, still training a little bit, but really just focusing on the work and um, got USA manufacturing done and kind of had an opportunity for myself to kind of go racing again and. Dude, I just really am stoked on going racing again in 2020 and doing my mm-hmm. own program and kind of doing things the way that I really envisioned doing them, you know, a few years back. Right. Due to other circumstances, it hasn't been the case. Yeah, it's funny for you. You got one foot, at, you know, into your next career, one foot still into racing because you can still ride the hell out of a dirt bike. The best way to market Canvas MX is by racing and doing well in it. So you're back. I, You know, you kind of have to do that a little bit, right? Like, it's a great it's a great vehicle to market your your business. So so you got to yeah, be I mean, kind of all in on the racing. 
Yeah, it is. And, I mean, unfortunately, the last few years, I mean, even the little bit of racing that I've done, I've not been able to go all in. Like, I've right. not had a trainer. I've not had a mechanic. I've not had the tools that I need to go and race the right way. I mean, like my 2014 and 2015 rocket exhaust program that my dad and I kind of threw together with mm-hmm. my family. I mean, like, dude, that was a massive privateer effort. Right. And we did well. We were one of the top privateers both of those two years. And um, I haven't been able to do that since. So having Canvas to a place where, you know, we've got automatic fulfillment. We've got printing right here and manufacturing right here in, in Southern California. And getting that to where it is now, I can now turn some attention into my racing and go, okay, I really wanted to give it this last push. I still feel that there's a lot on the table for me, but it, for me, it's it's more that than it is promoting the gear company. However, they both go hand in hand so seamlessly sure. because yep. okay, I'm a privateer, but I got to raise money, so I can use the gear and the gear or the gear and the and the graphics from Rival Inc. and and go, okay, let's go change this industry. Let's go get some big box companies that can come in and and give them that exposure and advertising that I feel that this industry would lack to give anybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and kind of basically it just, it just goes along seamlessly with what I want to do and what the gear company needs as far as, you know, making an impact in this industry in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it you know, canvas MX, um, for people who don't know, you can cut, it's a, uh, it's good gear, right? It works well. And then you can, it's basically, you can print it sort of on demand and whatever you need spots to fill. Now, Obviously, with gear companies, whether it's FXR, that's a big part of this, or whatever, those guys you put their logos everywhere, and rightfully so. It's their company. They can do what they want. But you're you're sort of saying with Canvas, like, hey, exactly, it's your Canvas. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, I like the idea, and, and I, I know what you're getting at for sure because there is, you know, in, in this in this 2019, 2020 racing, uh, giving value back to your sponsors is everything, and, and, you know, Canvas allows you to do that. So I like the idea. Um, how'd you get started in it? How, what, what first got you, got the, got the attention of, of yourself? It was a complete accident. Um, <laughs> my dad and I were sitting around a fire in the backyard one night and, you know, we're trying to come up with ways to raise money. And mm-hmm. funny enough inside, you know, we can see through the window NASCAR's on TV and, you know, these guys are stepping out of the driver's cars and, and Lowe's suits with a Lowe's car or yeah. an M&M suit and an M&M car. And I'm thinking, dude, what is wrong with our industry? I mean, nothing against gear companies. I made decent money from AXO in 20, um, 2014. Yep. And 2015, it was a 95% pay cut, and I was their number one U.S. rider at that time. So I said, okay, gear companies basically have the upper hand to say, you don't have another option, right? Yep. Like, what yep. are you going to do? You're going to go from AXO or you're going to go to Fox or whoever it may be. You're still stuck in the same boat of not having the exposure space that you need to attract these larger companies. So we went and did all white gear. Um, my dad and I kind of structured together a, a sales pitch deal that was your logo here. And like I said, we raised 30 grand that year in three weeks. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Our, our program that year was a 70 to $80,000 program. So mm-hmm. by no means did it pay for everything, right, right. but it's a positive push in the right direction for what a privateer needs. I mean, you've got the factory guys making a ton of money. And then, I mean, for example, I've had four or five, six place finishes in West coast. Yep. I've walked out of those races with 800 bucks in my pocket and it cost me three grand to be there. Yeah. 
So something's got to change. Something's got to attract these bigger companies to come in. I mean, even at a factory level, um, like factory Yamaha, or to bring Dungey and Target into this equation. If you gave Dungey the opportunity two or three years ago to go full head-to-toe Target, would Target not come in with 5 to $10 million possibly? Uh, yeah. Rather than uh, the I, million he was making from Fox? I, I can't know. figure it out. That part I can't figure out 100%. Like, I can't get... Okay, for one, these gear companies at the at the highest level, you know, you know what these guys are pulling down from gear companies, and and that's awesome, uh, that the Fox and the Flies and the FXRs and everybody else can step up and pay these kind of guys, that kind of money. Sure. But but that's how do you mean. justify yeah. it? How do you justify for a hundred and fifty dollar <throat> pair of pants? I know it's marketing. I know it's in a grander scheme of marketing, but at some point, doesn't it have to sort of make sense for what you sell? I don't know. I guess not because these guys are pulling down. You know, million dollars from from gear. Well, there's never there's never been a different way to do it in the 54 years that this sport has been racing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just been one way. I mean, look at look at graphics for example, right? I mean, Factory Effects was like the first quote unquote company to come out with sublimated. You know, you can have your number together imprinted in the material, and then you can add like a logo or two. Look at graphics now. Who makes a kit to sit on a shelf? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gear's going to go that same way, in my opinion. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Oh. So that's kind of how Canvas got started. And we, we started... Um, what, did you source the stuff out yourself? Like, or did somebody come to you? Or how did that? How did you discover so, that? So I got hurt in Oakland on Saturday. Uh-huh. Funny enough, on Sunday, right before I went to surgery, I had an email from a group in Argentina, Radical Racing. Okay. And Ricky and Nestor, phenomenal people. They're like family to me. Um, they basically said, Hey, we can make you all white and black gear. And then it was just white and black blank gear. It wasn't yeah. logoed. It wasn't anything. It was yeah. just blank gear. And we took that idea. And then a year later, Chuck Carruthers came in and joined my efforts in, in getting this thing going. And from there, we've basically taken it from that into made in USA, completely different product. Like our quality that we're about to come out with here in the next couple of weeks is mm-hmm. something that I've worked on for two and a half years. I mean, this has been like a major, major deal. Yep. And um, I figured out the manufacturing here to be made in USA with quality material and quality product, um, and still being a pretty competitive price point as opposed to uh, you know mm-hmm. competitive gear companies in the market today. Uh, but that's that's kind of how it got started, and it snowballed into something. I mean. We make all the jerseys for Nitro Circus. We do a lot of work with uh, Polaris and Can-Am and, and other companies in the jersey market. Um, yep. Again, it was never yeah. my intention to have a, a company in the moto industry, but it fell into my lap and it turned into something that's pretty rad. And, you know, not only can I use it for, you know, larger companies mm-hmm. getting jersey orders, but I can also use it to help this industry, in my opinion, to go out and really find the money that this sport needs to thrive right? and utilizing bigger advertising billboard space to yeah. do so. Um, and, and by the way, your your busiest time of the year is the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. How many kits did you do for that thing? Jeez. Seemed like... We did... We only did like four kits. We oh, had okay. Katana, yep. We did Cat and Zero. We had Jerry Robbins and myself. And like, that was even a deal at that point I had still hadn't planned on racing this year. Okay. And I went in like two weeks before when I was at sushi with a buddy in my mind. And, you know, it's like I'm making all this cool gear. Why the hell am I not racing? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I did the Fonseca kit. Yeah. And it ended up being super sick. And I had a blast at that event. That event was super rad this year. And, um, you know, it just, yeah. again, it just kind of 
sparked some interest for me to go race again. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I'm done and I want more and I'm putting together like an effort that I've not put together in four years. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, that's good. It's good to hear. Um, yeah, you've always been talented. You can always ride a motorcycle. I don't know if you're aware of that, Michael, but you've always can. can you're very talented on a motorcycle over the years, whether privateer program or whatever. You know, the stuff that you would do at the at the races was was on par with you know the best guys in the class. So if you can stay injury free and you know and and buckle down and and really focus, yeah, I think you can do pretty well because you've got skills on a motorcycle. So that part, yeah, good. yeah, it, it it's always definitely been a, a little bit more mental for me than mm-hmm. not. Um, well, that was my I nice way of saying of that. Yeah, that was my nice way yeah. of saying that. No, I right. mean, listen, I I went and met with uh, with Ryan Sadoro, uh, who's now my current trainer for this year. Uh, I went and met with him about a month ago. And, you know, it's funny because I looked at Canvas and I said, okay, um, I've grown Canvas really far, really quick, but I failed a lot, right? I mean, I have hit dead end after dead end after dead end and figured it out. I then realized through that, that in a certain way, and like this is just full transparency, is I've been a little bit afraid of failure in a weird way that I was never conscious of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like I started, you know, I mean, Will Smith and all these guys, they would say fail fast and fail forward. I've looked back on my racing career and I've been afraid of failure or whatever, but dude, I've really failed this whole entire time. So like, okay, if I failed this entire time, I went and sat down with Sedora and was like, listen, this is where I'm weak. This is my problem that I need, that I know I need to fix. Mm -hmm. Can we work through these or not? And I'm really feeling like I've got a good program and a good direction for this year. And I'm excited about it. That's good. What are you going to ride? Yeah. What are you going to ride? ride Huskies. You're going to ride Huskies? Yeah. Went and and got a bunch of Huskies. James C. helped me out on some, uh, some deals up there. Yep. In Washington. And, uh, yeah, going, going the Husky route. And then, um, I posted a little bit on social media yesterday, but um, I'm selling each um, each round for a title sponsorship deal for 15 grand. So if there's any companies out there that yeah. want to do a, a test of water deal in the industry and and um, you know kind of do a title sponsor gear and bike team pit crew for that weekend, um, you know there's there's some opportunity there. So if, uh, if anyone's interested in that, definitely let me know. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a cool idea and and again you're not and if you're selling it per race or whatever, you can give them, you know, ma- uh you know, a maximum exposure that you would give a normal with Canvas, you can give somebody a maximum exposure at one race that you would normally give a title sponsor for all season long. You know, it's easy to do. Well, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and like the other part on that too is I mean, title sponsors, I mean, like title sponsors on factory teams especially they're really only getting 30, 35% of the, yeah. the visibility in the bike and gear. Yep. Right. So yeah, it's a battle. I'm able it's to a battle. <laughs> I'm able to, yeah, I'm able to literally give these guys 95% visibility. I mean, I've got a few other sponsors that are going to be in smaller places throughout mm-hmm. the year, but um, you know, this, this is a, a, something that I really hope changes this industry is being able to do something and make everything transparent. between yeah. who the title sponsor is and who's fitting the bill. And give those people the maximum exposure because at the end of the day, you're not going to see a three-inch logo yeah. on TV from far away. However, if you're fully decked out in, I mean, Amazon or Tide or, or whatever, yeah. Green, all of these all of these renders that I've made, I mean, dude, it's visible and it's an impact. 
So that that's my hope. It's it's uh, so somebody like Tyler Bowers last year, Trigger Racing. He he did a really good program where he was selling title spots for each race, and you got his you got on the shroud, and you know you got on the jersey if you need it to be, and everything else. Now, obviously, he's got a gear deal with Seven, and you know, so he he couldn't go all in. But why why not? Why couldn't he if he had, if he had maybe you know sacrificed the Seven gear a little bit um, money? I don't know what he's getting from them because. He was pulling down per race sponsors. I was checking it out, and I was even a, I was even Southwick. Pulpomex was Southwick for a round. Um, you know, somebody like that who's marketable and has done it could really benefit from from using Canvas, in my opinion. Now, you know, obviously, look, he's got seven stuff, and and, and he's got the relationship with those guys, and I, I get that and I respect that. But Bowers is doing what you're doing, trying to do. He's already doing it. Um, right. You know, so Canvas would be a great fit for somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I think that what I'm trying to do is new. I, I don't think that it's really been done on the level that I'm trying to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that if I can get a couple big companies on board this year and showcase that, I think yep. that you'll see a lot of people start jumping on board and going this direction moving mm-hmm. forward. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, my my privateer program is between seventy and eighty grand. Yep. I mean, it, it's impossible for me to go and get. 70 to 80 grand from one company, right? But if I can go get 15 grand for 10 rounds for 15 different companies, I mean, that's something that's realistic in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely you know, more realistic than selling out. it, yeah, for 1.4 million or whatever, right? Yeah. Exactly, right? And then you get these big companies that go and they look at, all right, well, I'm getting this and I'm in front of this many people and X amount of people go to the race and X amount of people are going to see it and I get to test the waters for 15 grand. Mm hmm. They've never had the chance to do that. They're either all in or get out. Like, it's yeah. not, there, there's no middle ground. Yep. So that's what I'm trying to create by doing this. And like you said, I mean, Bowers and other people have done it. I did it back in 2015 yep. with the gear. And, I mean, I, I think you'll see more people jump on board once this thing is kind of done and, and done yeah. correctly, in my opinion. Of course, FXR Racing is sponsor of this podcast. You know, they're a great company, too, though, Lieb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, they've made good ground, man. They've made good. Ground. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just. And a quick impact. They have, you know. and, and uh, Race Tech, of course, also on board with us. Skosh, uh, Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, using Skosh. They're a proud sponsor of those guys. Their products are inspired by a passion for cool vehicles, amazing sounds, great outdoors, and more. Visit Skosh.com, S C O S C H E E A dot com, S C H s c h e dot com and use the code pulp twenty five at checkout to save twenty five percent off on your purchase from the guys at Skosh. Thanks to Namir as well. Pistons with an attitude. They got their full industry leading top end repair kits. They offer everything you need to rebuild your top end at a price that will keep you riding every weekend, no matter the budget. From professional race shops to privateer garages, Namira has you and your wallet covered. Namira dot com for more information uh, or visit your local dealer to. to Learn more about these innovative kits that they have. Uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. And Max's Tires, speaking of the cat, who was Travis Pastrana, uh, the cat uh, uses Max's Tires and Max's.com for more information on that. MXSTs are out now. And if you're wondering about the tires, uh, AJ qualified for some Supercross main events with those things. So, yeah, please uh, please check them out. Uh, Michael Lieb on the uh, Privateer Island podcast number 106. Um How's your foot? How, how's the foot, man? You talked about fusing there back in the beginning of this podcast. How's that? It's been a long road. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when I when I crashed in 15, I, I broke my talus and navicular. That was really the problem area. Um, and I, I blew that joint apart in between those bones. So, 
fast forward to racing in 2016 with Larry Brooks, I cased the triple day one, and I felt like I rebroke my foot, and it felt like it fell right apart. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a year after I'd done it, pretty much. So I went back to the doctor, and they're like, "No, it's scar tissue. It's scar tissue." Long story short, I get past San Diego and I go and really get like a CT scan. I'm like, you guys got to find something. And turns out that it was just complete bone on bone. They were breaking each other. And there was no nothing to do at that point besides fuse them. Mm-hmm. But the navicular mm-hmm. is the lowest blood supply bone in the body. And the fusion that I went through, basically from my heel to where my toes are, are completely fused. So I've just got a club foot. I can move my foot up and down yeah. as far as my toes yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I've got zero side to side, but um, I really have just kind of gotten to a recovery point maybe six months ago. I'm still progressing to where I can run maybe a mile or two. Um, but again, it's it's by no means perfect, but it's, it's manageable. It's better than I thought it would be. Um, at this point, yeah. So okay. So it's it. Does it affect your racing? Did you have to change your riding school, or riding ways a little bit? Getting on my toes and the whoops yeah. have always kind of been like a, a struggle for me. Um, especially being a shorter guy, it's super important for me to be as much in that position as I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, does it affect me? Maybe a little bit. I don't. I don't think that it's going to have an impact on on results or anything like that, though. Ah, uh, interesting. Um, Michael Lieb on the show here. Uh, man, so what do you think you can do? What's your expectations? Can you get back to being I, top 10 guy? I still think that my best races have yet to come, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm, you know, putting myself in a situation where, um, you know, I, I really just want to leave it all out there, see where that ends me. You know, and me at at the end of uh, Saturday nights on on the weekend. So, I don't know. I don't know where I'll end up. I obviously hope to be more than a top ten guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a privateer effort, it's uh, it's a decent thing. Twenty eight years old, and uh, I don't know. You, you you see guys like Justin Brayton getting better. You see guys like Ryan Sipes getting better. I mean, you know, and these guys are five six years older than me. So, um, that was my next comment. Was how know, old right. are you now? I was wondering how old you were, Michael, at this point. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, definitely time's not necessarily on my side, but um, I've grown a lot. I've matured a lot. I'm a, I'm a much different person today than I was back in 2015. Yeah, for I sure. Good way. You yeah, well, meant I, w- I would guarantee you mentally you're stronger. Hundred percent. You got to be yeah. stronger mentally. You know what I mean? Just from you know, just been just been just from growing up, right? Yeah, I mean, starting a business and. I mean, let alone being a privateer and then starting a business. I mean, trust me, privateers make no money. And if anyone makes you think like they do, they don't. Um, you know, that was uh, that was a wake-up call. Understanding finances has made it even harder to go race because, obviously, there's there's from a privateer racing standpoint, just the bonus money, there, there's no money to be made at all. Um, so, you know, that side has, has been tough. But uh, at the end of the day, this is still yeah. something that I want to do. And this is still something that I'm willing to do, and gonna go and put my best foot forward and see where that see where that puts me. People who are listening to this are gonna know what's coming next, but why don't I mean, why don't you just do 450s? I know maybe you know you can't do the whole series, but the money is so much better, even for fifth and sixth in the LCQ, than it is in 250 class. It's a joke in 250 class. Somebody like yourself, I can see yourself in 450 main events. Now, can you get in the top ten? I'm not sure about that. 
But you can make money, though, Michael, doing it on a 450. I know you're a smaller guy, but a big deal. You can ride a motorcycle. It doesn't matter. Really simply put, for me, it's about being a top 10, top 5 guy. Yeah. And I feel on a 250, I've got a better shot at doing that than a 450. I'm this really small guy. At my race weight's 135, 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. So me and a 450 is quite difficult. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, the racing thing isn't about the money. This is about me and going fulfilling a dream and fulfilling something that I want to do with all my heart. And 450 for me isn't that right now. Could it get into that years down the road if this year happens to be a massive success? Possibly, yep. but right. for right now and right here today, that's that's not my goal. Right. Um, are you ready to pack up and go to St. Louis for round two? <laughs> Dude, what is up with that? I don't know, man. It's brutal. Like I don't, I don't get it. I just, I just these guys. Like, what are you doing? Jeez. Who was sitting at the table that day and said, "Yeah, let's have West Coast be a St. Louis." I know. I, I, I said, make it an East Coast round. Like, who cares? Oh, but then if somebody's hurt, you know, they need that month of January. Why are we always, like, yeah. we're always doing things for to protect against the worst-case scenarios of that never happen. Like, who cares? Like, oh, well, like, if you're an East Coast guy and you get hurt, you get hurt. Like, you know, the team managers don't want their full lineup at the, at the first East Coast race. But, man, it, you can get hurt riding motorcycle any time, as, as you know. So it's like, well, who cares? I thought that's why they did it. I thought that St. Louis was an East Coast round, and I thought that they did it strictly for the 250 guys that it's like, okay, say you get hurt on December 20th, that you can just switch and go race the East Coast when it starts you know, later in February. I thought that they did it so that they couldn't do that. I didn't even realize it was a West Coast round until like maybe a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I mean, they'll tell you that the mileage compared to going to Houston works out about the same is what their, their comeback will be, and and I get that, but right off the bat, man, you got to go all the way to St. Louis and back. Like, gee whiz. So Isn't that hard to look at a map and say St. Louis is further from oh, California than Houston. I know, I know, but they'll, they'll, that's that's their comeback. Will be that the total mileage of the series is close to the same. It's like, oh, boy. Um, yeah. Hey, so what was that IB Corp thing like to do? What was that like? We watched everybody, not everybody, but a lot of us watched some of that. So. It was entertaining. Um, I mean, good parts and bad parts. Unfortunately, I like I said, I got hurt on, I don't know, 10th of December last year. I, I mm-hmm. broke my wrist or whatever, training and practicing. And, you know, I, I came back from that, and it was just kind of difficult to get myself going. But uh, I think the idea behind it was there. I think that, like, there was some traction that could have been made from that in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the boat was, the boat was kind of missed because, I mean, you take, for example, Blake Wharton and myself and then, like, Justin Haft and all these other things. And, like, dude, there's real stories, real-life stories. I mean, like Justin and his brother. And, yeah. You know, that, I mean, dude, that was horrible. And then you've got Blake Wharton, a musician, and all this other stuff coming mm-hmm. back to racing and dealing with the struggle of that. And then you've got me and you know trying to do business and racing yeah. and trying to formulate you know the, the like dude blake warden and i worked really freaking hard together mm-hmm. and like dude there was cool stories that were just organic and real that people would have resonated with instead it was fabricated stories yeah something that they thought would be cool that no one resonated with yeah and i think that's where the boat was missed yeah, interesting, huh? So they, they tried to create the stuff, and it's like, that doesn't really work. They tried to create some of 
some of the the content in there and and make a bigger story out of something that wasn't really like mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, just just being honest. I mean, like the, there was real stories there that didn't get hit on, and I yeah. think that if they were, it would have maybe been a more positive outcome than it was. I still think that it's cool that they tried to do what they did. I'm with you. Um, I like the idea. The general idea I like, although, like you said, I had me shaking my head at times watching it. But Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Jamie Ellis with the motors and, you know, all that stuff was was good. I mean, the bikes were good. Yeah. Um, you know, everything about it was good. It was just why this why the show didn't have success, I think, is because, the, the story that could have been there in organic and resonate with a lot of the public that was watching yeah. it nationwide, yeah. worldwide. Right. It was yeah. missed. That boat was missed. Did it bug you to have them around all the time? Not really. No. I mean, it, it was it was interesting. I mean, they were long days, and like the the competition deal for like that week leading up, where like you had to do all these things. I mean, did it change like? Changed like almost every day, and then like it was going to be whoever had the most points of winning, like the Instagram contest on day one, and yeah, yeah, the bike ride and the running contest, and then like, dude, I was way ahead of everything, and then they're like, nope, clear slate, whoever wins today is going to win. Like, <laughs> you're racing that milestone on a Friday afternoon, There's yeah. one race, like, like you're you're really going to put it all on that, so yeah. it was just fly by the seat of the hat. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, you're you're just yeah. <laughs> Rhino was great too. Rhino was great, and and like, dude, Rhino's cool, man. I I've got respect yeah. for Rhino. Oh, he's but, fa- uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's just fantastic. Yeah. He's do, definitely entertaining, man. Do you follow him on social media? Oh yeah, yeah. He oh, healed yeah. his leg from an ice bath. He broken tib and fib. Healed it. Ice bath. What is, what is it? The man tried. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's awesome though. He's, he's part of the, the man tribe. Dude. He I mean, he just. He's all in, and you gotta respect that. You gotta respect the commitment. Dude, he from him. owns the shit out of it, though. Oh yeah, dude, like, no problem. He yep. is not afraid or not embarrassed, and like, there's there's a cool part in that. Yep. I mean, you've got to give it to him in that sense. I agree, man. He's a man of conviction, and he stands by it. And that's not always easy in you know in today's world. So, no, um, no. Looking back on your career, are you happy with what you've done? Are you happy with everything? I mean, obviously, look, you never got the factory ride, and, and you you know, yet. And, I did. I did get a factory ride at one point. What? But that, that contract got torn up on me when I was back in uh, in Europe. What what happened? So, 2010, I went over the road for Bud Racing. Uh-huh. Difficult year. I was 17, racing yeah. in Europe. We had some bike issues. Uh, yeah. Next year... I learned that money isn't everything because I signed a pretty healthy contract from Husky BMW at that time. Yeah. And I just, that was one of the most miserable, difficult years of my life. Big growing year for me. Mm-hmm. The next year, I said, screw you, Europe. I'm down. I'm coming home and racing Supercross. Right. And I went and filled in for Osborne at Fermo. And I hadn't been training for outdoors at all. And they were 35 plus two back then. This was like an extra five minute moto. Mm-hmm. So, I went and did my 33rd to 3rd in the first moto. Then the second moto, I had a 28-second lead. And, dude, I just faded with, like, eight minutes to go. Blew a 27-second lead. I called my dad so excited after the race that I got second overall. Yeah. He's like, dude, are you kidding me? I'm like, what? I just got second overall. He's like, yeah. you just blew a 27-second lead. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> 
so I remember there, that. I I do remember that now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. From there, Bob Moore and I got together, and we signed the next year to be at CLS. That was the Pro Circuit Satellite Two Hundred and Fifty yep. or MX Two team. Yep. Um, which I then had mono that year. Um, I cured that, was over it, and I was sent to. I sent a letter, I think, in October. Like, we signed the contract in August. It was a done deal. Everything was done. Like, I was moving over to France right. to ride for that team there. Yep. And they sent me a letter of resignation um, in October. And I could go over there and spend half a million dollars and fight it in Luxembourg or just deal with what it was. Yeah. So, I yeah, I lost the opportunity, which I feel that I really earned, was to go over there and have a factory ride. Yeah, and CLS um, is good. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were a really good team. I mean, yep, that was they were a team that Searle rode for. I mm-hmm. mean, Joel Rollins, and, and there was a bunch of guys that rode for that team that did really well. So that was a really hard pill to swallow. There was some political crap that was a part of that deal, and you know, then next year obviously was 2014 and 15 when. You know, I had, I don't know, three or four or six plays and multiple top ten finishes in West Coast Supercross. I don't really know why. Like, I've had, I've raced 40 GPs and I've raced one outdoor here. Um, just kind of the way yeah. that it went over the years. Crazy but how that worked. Yeah. Hap- <laughs> yeah, am, am I happy with how my career's gone? No. Have I gotten more out of it than I thought I would in different ways? Yes. Do I love who it's turned me into and love the path that I'm going down and currently endeavoring on yes i love that so am i happy no have i gotten more out of it in ways that i never thought i would yes would i trade anything for the world on it no yeah it's, it, that. yeah no i think that's the right attitude right it's it's it, it, you, you can sit there and be bitter and everything else and or else you, you can look at like you've traveled the world uh riding racing your motorcycle professionally and you've also done it at the highest levels and you know had some pretty damn good results over the years so yeah, is it perfect? Yeah, no, I mean, but but you know, like you said, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, how many times do you, like I mean, you or anybody in life, how many times do people have a goal and it sets out to be exactly what they envisioned? No, yeah, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you just said, I mean, I've gone to almost forty different countries. I mm-hmm. speak two languages. I have friends around the world. Dude, that's something people don't ever get to do in a full lifetime, and I did it by the time I was 20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's been an awesome ride, and, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm not done yet, and I'll obviously be in this industry for the foreseeable future, whether I'm racing or not. Um, so I, can, I uh, can't complain. I mean, at the, end, at the end of the day, I'm going to be lining up on the line yeah. with people that don't know what they're doing if racing stops tomorrow. And if I quit racing today, like I, I've been saying it for the last few months, I don't need to go racing this year. If anything, it's a financial burden for me that I don't need, right? But I want to be there, and I want to fulfill something that's deeper than, you know, needing to be there or whatever. You know, I, I can quit right now, and I'm fine. I've got a house. I've got a fiancé. You know, I've, I've got a life outside of this deal, and... Yeah, that takes a lot of pressure off of myself in a way that's that's really nice. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good way of looking at it for sure. It's absolutely. I can, I can sense a Pulpomex fantasy sleeper this year, Michael Lee. I can I can already smell that a little bit. Might be. Dude, I love getting people to like pissed off reactions like, "Damn it, dude! I should <laughs> pick you!" Or "Damn it, dude! I went all in on you!" And yeah, you're drinking shit to bed tonight. 
I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's absolutely. Especially the the, the fantasy stuff is really. Um, Fantasy stuff has really taken off for us, you know what I mean? And it's really let, sure. people, it's let people see and know about riders that maybe they would have never paid attention to before, you know what I mean, and cheer them on. So yeah, it's not all good because sometimes, yeah. sometimes they bag on guys, but yeah, for the most part, it's been good. Um, <laughs> That's what this industry does, though, right? Yeah, exactly. So how um, do you have you noticed an upturn in, in stuff at Canvas for sales-wise and interest-wise uh, since straight rhythm and that kind of stuff? Have you Do you get... Do you feel like an upward momentum for, for Canvas is going on? Canvas has done 30 to 45% growth for the last three years straight. Awesome. This year seems to be even bigger than that. Um, and to be quite transparent, you know, working on the USA manufacturing thing, like I told you, has taken two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to get things the way that I want them. I mean, I've got my name behind this. I really want it to be something that I'm proud of and something that I put a lot of work into along with, you know, my partner, Chuck Carruthers, and so on. So I haven't pushed this company through the market, through the media and, and, mm-hmm. and marketed this in the way that I plan to moving forward mm-hmm. until that this thing is done. So our USA pant, I just stamped a final proof on the prototype yep. now going to production last week. So this whole Made in USA thing is fresh. It's new. It's coming at a great time for me to go and, and move myself into the racing category of, being able to really fly the flagship for the company and and utilize the resources that we have to showcase what we can do. So the, the growth that we've had and what we're doing currently is mind-blowing to me, and I've still not really pushed this thing in the way that I want to. So I think that, you know, there's mm-hmm. a really bright future for Canvas ahead. And I think at times, you know, we're maybe a year or two ahead of the curve in the sense of maybe we're, you know, just a little bit ahead of the time. Yep. Um, but I think that that will catch up soon. The USA thing must have been tough to source and 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 get something that you're happy with, huh? Well, I mean, there's a reason why gear companies aren't made in the USA, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, we we learned that the hard way. I mean, for example, you know, our jersey business is pretty pretty decent. You know, we do right around a thousand, maybe a little bit more than a thousand jerseys a month. So that's okay on sewing because we can keep a sewing team pretty busy. Mm-hmm. But then. You know, you've got uh, one sewing company that you're utilizing that's got eight or nine different companies using the same building. Okay, but then you've got, we've got a 1,000 jerseys. This guy's got 2,000 jerseys. This guy's got T-shirts. Yeah. And then I walk yeah. in with 50 pants. Right. And they're like, yeah, big deal. Anything they've ever seen and takes different sewing equipment. I mean, that's been the holdup on this thing it's literally for a year. Yep. Is just the sewing side. So. My manufacturer and I kind of figured out some ways to bring some sewing in-house and, you know, designate ourselves a production line for a pant, whether we have a lot of sales on the pant or not. Mm-hmm. And that's been the holdup. And it's it's cost us a lot of time and a lot of money. Sure. But at the end of the day, having something made in USA, I think, is getting more and more important every every month right now, I mean, especially with the tariffs and everything else going on overseas. Yeah, yeah, tariffs are definitely affecting it more than a few companies I've heard the last uh, last little while, for sure. Um, FXR Racing, Race Tech Suspension, Privateer Island Life podcast with Michael Lieb. Thanks to Skosh, Namira, and Maxis, of course, uh, also coming on board this show. Well, Michael, um, I look forward to seeing you on the line, man, again, uh, week in and week out. Like when you popped out of nowhere last year, I'm like, oh, oh, Michael Lieb's back. Oh, look at that. Uh, but now uh, you'll have a regular effort and everything else, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing how, how you can do, and uh, and looking forward to seeing you know your pit presence and everything else with Canvas and and, and everything else you got going on. So that's that's that'll be yeah, interesting. Dude. Houston last year was rough, man. I rode five <laughs> days 
since <laughs> Vegas the year before in Supercross before going out there. Yeah. Still managed the ninth in Moto2, though. Yeah, yeah, still not bad, right? So, um, But like I forgot to raise. <laughs> well, thanks for the time on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. Uh, CanvasMX.com. Is that, is that the, did I get the, the website right? Yep, you got it. All right, so people can go check it out. And uh, Michael Lieb, look for him on uh, Husqvarna. Uh, what number will you be? Did you get your old number back? 170. No, definitely. Yeah, definitely get the old number back. Yep. And yep. Didn't, didn't earn a national number, so no, I got yeah. that. Yeah, you got, but you got your old number back, so that's good. Um, all right, yep. man. Well, hey, thanks for the time, Michael. Really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you. And, hey, anyone out there that's uh, interested in doing a title sponsorship per round deal, um, my email is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at canvasmx.com. I can send you all the info and other proofs to give you guys a better idea of what I've got going on. Yeah, I'll post some of the stuff, too, when I, when I do it on social for the, for the, to, promote, to, to promote this show. So we'll, awesome, do, we'll do it on Thank that, you. too. Yeah, no problem, Michael. Thanks, man.